Welcome to the Prepare to Win podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver, here at Dane Lee. Uh, today, we're going to get into opportunity and um, how to seek out opportunities and also how to capitalize on opportunities. Um, we'll probably stick more on the side of capitalizing on those opportunities since that tends to be what a lot of people don't do. Um, kind of wanted to start out with a little story. Um, you know, I've been around the world. I've done a lot of things. Um, you know, in this country, a lot of people think there's, you know, no opportunity and it's all about one, what you make of it. And and two, like you have to seek out those opportunities and you have to actually try to go for them. Um, so my quick little story about, you know, the difference between us and some other countries I've been to, um, if you've never been to Petra, which is a wonder of the world, I recommend going, um, it's a very poor place in Jordan and Jordan is a fairly poor country in itself. So when we were walking through Petra, there's, there's people that actually semi live there. I guess I should say they're, um, they come in and they'll try to sell you different things that they make pottery, mm-hmm. you know, little crafts and things like that. And I can remember it was like one of the, the saddest things um, that I ever saw was there was these two little kids, uh, must've been brother, sister, but these two little kids come up to us and, you know, they're trying to talk to us and things like that. And the little girl had flowers and the little boy had rocks. They came up and, you know, at first it was like a little language barrier. You didn't really know what they were trying mm-hmm. to do. We thought they were trying to like give us these things, you know, little kids will bring you a flower or yeah. something like that. No, they were, they were trying to sell us the flowers and the rocks that they, they found because, you know, mind you, these kids are, if you've never seen Petra, look up the, you know, look up the pictures. It's rock. It's all rock out there. You know what I mean? It's an old ancient um, town or whatever city. These kids are barefoot, raggedy clothes, dirty, like everything that you possibly can imagine you see on TV. Yeah. That's how these kids looked. And I remember, um, you know, I handed them, five dollars for a rock and a little flower that was half dead um so the next time you you think there's no opportunity in this country remember that other places have it far worse than we do these kids probably don't even have running water they probably don't have any amenities at all um and they probably live on dirt floors so um you know that's my one story from from petra and you know why we were in jordan also a, a big difference we were at a so-called resort which was like basically like a little hotel that was on the bay or whatever and there was like things you could do there you go snorkeling you could do all these things there Mm -hmm. um and as we're driving through the bus you know takes you through the town to get to there and we were allowed to like hang out there for the day and stuff they had a pool they had a restaurant they had you know those activities and the town is i mean very poor. I can't even describe how raggedy and ran down it looks. When we were there, one thing that's not common there is these people don't get uh, tips and things like that. Like they're not used to it as much. Like it's not a common thing to oh, tip just culturally. Yeah, to tip like your waiter or whatever, or tip like the people that bring you things. Mm-hmm. So I can remember, you know, one they were surprised when we tipped them. Like in the restaurant, I don't know if it's like a lot of foreign people don't do that for them but we give them money or whatever and the rest of the day that we were there i mean it was weird because literally like 
we would just have to put up our hand and wave to the guy and he would come sprinting across the pool <laughs> to like Help whatever we you. wanted. And like, you know, at the time, like we're, we're, um, you know, pulled into port and like, we're trying to have fun. So of course we want a bottle and we want mm-hmm. glasses and bring it all over and stuff. And, um, you know, he brings us a bottle of rum and all this stuff and we're just, you know, throwing money at this guy and he's like eternally grateful for like yeah. the 20 or $30 that people were, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it's not even a massive amount of money, but to him it was everything. Cause it's yeah. probably more than he makes in a few months that he was just getting handed to him. Yeah. So um, the next time that you think that like this place in this country has no opportunity for you, think again, cause it's out there and I don't care where you come from, what you've been doing. Sure. I've seen people that are spoon fed, you know, we've all mm-hmm. seen it. Um, I don't think, unless I don't know some things about you. I don't, I don't think like anybody here at least grew up with any sort of major money in their life. Like nope. no one got handed <laughs> anything. No one, um, you're not wrong to assume that. No. Yeah. I mean, we've, and we've all been dead broke and we've all None of us come from like rich families or anything. Um, you know, and I, I've had friends that get handed money and I've, I've known people that, you know, have millions of dollars to their name when they're 18 years old because their parents, you know, were rich and set it up for yeah. them or whatever. When grandpa dies or dad dies or mom dies, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're getting handed a bunch of money. So, um, yeah, of course those people are going to be ahead. That's just the way life works, but it doesn't mean that you can't set yourself up for success no matter where you come from and what you're doing. So, right. um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, like one of my best friends, his parents were both, uh, heroin addicts. Like he, they were raised by their grandpa, like him and his brother mm-hmm. and they didn't have any money growing up. And, you know, he's made a pretty successful life for himself. Um, and I know multiple people like that yeah. started businesses or just worked up They're from literally the bottom rung of whatever industry they're in. Mm-hmm. And now they're in charge of many people. So right. there's, uh, there's plenty of opportunities to get things done. It's an idea of gratitude, and I think gratitude always yeah. has some kind of like flimsy connotation with it where you know people hear that and they think about, I don't know, just like they brush it off where you think of the line like, there are starving children in Africa, you should be happy about the fact that you have food on your plate. And it's like the yeah. truth is you should. And what gets lost in translation with it is that it, that doesn't mean that it diminishes your current situation, mm-hmm. but it definitely should put it into perspective. Yeah. That if you're saying that there aren't opportunities, well, more than likely, you're just not looking hard enough or you're not working hard enough in order to try to come up with that. Because if a little kid comes up to you and says, I will sell you rocks yeah, and you can't think of something to do, like you have no excuses at that point. Exactly. Yeah. The thing is, like, we can we could sit here all day and um, I have countless examples of people that um, Lindsay's grandpa's where I grew up on a dirt floor in Alabama, mm-hmm. um, worked for, I think it was like GM or something for a number of years, started three companies when he was in his Ford, I think it was, um, when he retired, started three companies and they were internet based and they all kind of blew up. And now the guy, you know, retired is living quite well. I'll say that, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, but he was a guy and it was like the starving kids from Africa thing kind of reminded me is that um her parents always tell her mom always tell the story and her aunt and stuff uncles that when they were younger if they had ketchup still on their plate Mm -hmm. their grandpa who grew up on the dirt floors 
would tell them to eat the ketchup. <laughs> they would have to spoon up the ketchup because they took too much and you Don't can't waste, waste it. it and yep. all that stuff. So, yeah, so it's kind of a funny quick story there. But I think that one of the main problems is that when people are on that low level, they can't see the light and they can't, see, you know what I mean? You feel kind of trapped down. But what people don't realize is that's why, you know, there's a compounding effect to everything. Like if you're sitting there, let's say you don't have a job and you're whatever, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, whatever you want to say, you're young, let's let's start there. Um, and you don't have a job. First step would be get a job. Doesn't matter what it is, just get a job, you know, and see what presents itself from there. Mm-hmm. So while you have this job and you might be making money, maybe you're out looking for another job. And I'm not saying to job hop, but maybe you'll find and talk to someone. And this is goes back to the long ago podcast of not burning bridges. Right. You might meet someone that you impress that knows someone or is that someone that's going to mm-hmm. hire you, you know, and that could be your in to a job that's going to triple your income right then and there, you know, mm-hmm. and then that could lead to the long-term goal of actually having financial success and getting everything you want in life because you work your way up that ladder of wherever you got hired in at. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of people, I, I, I've done it when I was younger. I worked, um, I went into a company that does like marble countertops and things like that. Okay. And I went in and I wanted to be an installer. And then back then I think installers started at like $15 an hour or something like that. 14 okay. something an hour. How old and were you? I was 18. That's pretty good for an 18 year old. Yeah. That's what, I saying, that's what I was like, Hey, well, I'm working over here for, you know, nine fifty an hour. I want to go there, yeah. you know, or $9 an hour, whatever it was back then might not have been that. But anyway, um, I work at this other job, like, you know, when I was in school and stuff, well, I want to work that and get the, the bigger money. Mm-hmm. So I got put into a job where I was in a small room with a table, you know, probably double the size of this one. So call it like an eight foot table or whatever. Okay. And there was three, three of us. And all we would do all day is grind things down, sand down like the borders and stuff. And we would take like razor blades and like the marble would come out and there'd be designs in it. And we'd have to razor blade out flaws in the design and make them smooth. Okay. Stupid things like that. Now I would do that all day from, <laughs> I think, you know, whatever, 7am when we would get there to when we would get off at like three thirty or whatever. Okay. And, um, I was making significantly less than the installer and I didn't have the patience and I was wondering why. And you know, the higher ups all said how great I was doing. The guys I was working with, Oh, he's doing great. The mm-hmm. owner of the company walks through. He knew who I was from people talking about me. He's like, Oh, this is the new guy. Huh? That's a good sign. You know, I hear all these good things. No, I, the, the, the thing is, is I broke a stick these sticks are like $80 a stick. Ooh. I broke that right in front of him as I was trying to move it. <laughs> and he didn't get pissed or anything. He kind of laughed. He's like, oh, no, it happens. Like, we, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, that that's not good. I just, like, ruined your costs right there. But um, anyway, so all these good things were happening for me. But yeah. I was too young and stupid to notice it. And one day I just got fed up with, like, walking into the same routine thing every day, right? Now, I should say I got that job through a friend. Her dad was like third or fourth down on the totem pole. He was a little higher up guy. Well, I end up not being patient and I quit that job. Mm-hmm. So friend calls me up. I, you know, I vouch for you like blah, blah, blah. My dad vouched for you, blah, blah, blah. 
Come to find out they were getting ready to fire one of the installers the next week and move me up. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was one of those situations. It's like I didn't have the patience and I had all the opportunity I needed there. Mm -hmm. And not to say like I would have loved that job and stuck in it forever or whatever, but it still would have advanced me right then and there. Is that something you still struggle with? Like the idea of patience when it comes to opportunities? Uh, It depends. I jump on them more now though. Okay. Like I, I think, so I have extreme patience in building things which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, I can watch things build for a long time, but I, when I have an opportunity, I'm all in if I get on it and I, I, to get it ramped up and started, I have no patience. I want it started. I want it running. I want to operate as soon as possible. Go, go, go. Then once we're in it, now I have the patience to let it build. So I remember using the uh, CrossFit gym that almost started next door Mm -hmm. as an example. Um, when that finally happened, it was, like 110% speed go yep. as far as painting, getting set things set up, getting things ordered. And I came into a meeting that you were having with one of the other coaches and you were talking about pricing that mm-hmm. you were going to do on things. And I walked in, I think just to pick something off the printer and you said, Hey, while you're in here, just real quick, what would you want to do for your pricing as far as like uh, an initial uh, cost for say coaching or recovery work? And we figured it out in a couple of minutes. And then I ended up sticking around listening to the conversation. And there was one thing you said in particular where the conversation trying to figure out a different price point went on for like five minutes. Yeah. And you said, we cannot take this much time to figure out something this simple. Yep. Like you already knew in your head on what the logistics of it were and what it should be. Now, if you found out in the future, let's say you put that in action and then a couple weeks down the road, you realized, okay, this isn't working out. There were some things that we didn't anticipate for whatever reason, you would quickly adjust that. Mm -hmm. You weren't making it rashly, but you knew enough information to be able to make it quickly and intelligently. Yeah. And I remember this exact conversation when we're having it is like, there were so many, we should do this. We should do that. We should do this. And like you said, that's, that's what I was like, guys, we are spending way too much time trying to figure out a fucking price point. Right. Like this is so minute in the grand scheme of things put the price point out, get people in, then we adjust. Right. It is that simple. Right. Um, and at the time, like the price point, guess what? It ended up booming. I mean, we had a third of the members of all these CrossFit gyms around here in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's like what I had planned was so straightforward. You know what I mean? There was not, there yep. was thinking into it and there was a reason. And I laid that out because here's our break even. Here's when we profit and here's what we do later and blah, blah, blah. But that was like, quickly took me 10, 15 minutes to run numbers. That's all it is, you Mm -hmm. know? So, but yeah, you know, so when, when I get into those opportunities, like I could have, I mean, the initial risk of that gym was to push my life back two years, all the life things I wanted to do. So, you know, that was one of the things like, well, I've already done it for five years, four years, you know, I can do it for two more, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was kind of the, the thinking there. But I think, you know, the problem is a, a lot of people, one, don't have the patience, which, you know, you, I explained I didn't when I was younger. Right. Um, and they can't see the compounding effect. Like you might start off on a sales floor and then become a manager and then maybe you're a regional manager and then fuck, maybe you're the president of the company one day. You don't know. Right. You know, and that's, that's, I, I think people don't understand that. You know, there's obviously a lot to it. But it comes back to, in most cases, like, sorry, the world does work that way that, like, 
there's going to be someone that's going to sneak in at the same level as you or above you because they knew somebody. Mm-hmm. It's the way the life. I mean, you're never going to be anywhere that like is absolute totem pole mentality. You know what I mean? There's going to be people that jump you because they work harder than you, because they're more valuable to the company, because they have a better image for the company, whatever it may be. But if you don't start at the bottom rung with that opportunity, you know, and it's the same when you're advancing, you're going to, you might get another job offer from down the road. Is that opportunity worth it? You have to, you have to evaluate the the risk reward on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I hear that from a lot of my friends, especially <laughs> at this stage of my life and their life where uh, they've been out of college or grad school for a little while. They had that first job and they got an opportunity to kind of bump up to a different position. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they are trying to decide, do I want to stay here and you know, suffer through whatever is going on? Maybe they have a bad boss or a bad manager or just a bad working environment. Um, do they look for another job and move down a little bit on the totem pole and like work their way back up? Uh, and they're trying to you know rationalize how happy they are with what they could do somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But c- coming back to an early point that you made, I think it's really important that it's not job hopping. Yeah. It's like you're open-minded and trying to take things in to perspective on what do you want? What does something offer yeah. that you could move into? Yeah. You're not just moving around like, Oh, I'm not happy here. I'm going to go do another job. Oh, I'm not happy here. I'm going to go do another mm-hmm. one. Like you're constantly evaluating what it is that you want to get out of it. And what does it offer? Yeah. And you know, it's, the the happiness thing plays a role too. So it's, you know, I can think of like Lindsay is a great example of this is like, you know, she could have kept on going down the route, got her doctorate, became a, uh, uh, occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. So she could have went that route instead. She, you know, and maybe she will eventually, but I, I the path we're going, probably not. Cause we're going to do other things, but, um, you know, it's like she wanted to work with, you know, children and stuff. And she had that opportunity through being an OTA um, to actually work with the people because it's a lot different now where the therapists just are mostly just writing out the program. They yeah. see them, whatever, uh, whatever it is, once a week or once a month or whatever their mm-hmm. evaluation time is or whatever. But they don't actually work daily with these kids. So it's like, okay, so you, you she could have went to college, took on more debt, probably got paid more in the long run, but... Um, instead she'll have this, what she likes to do, mm-hmm. which can compound into other things. Once she has that money, then she might do what she wants. And like I said, we have business goals and things like that, that she might not even be in that field ever again. Right. You know, but at least why she's doing it, she's getting paid to do something she likes to do. Mm-hmm. So there's, and it doesn't close the door yeah, to there, going back to school later in life. I mean, like, all right, I've got these other things squared away. Yeah. I realize I really would like to be a doctorate of occupational therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, it's, it's all relative to mm-hmm. whatever you kind of want to do. And, um, the first step again is taking the initial steps. So would um, you say that part of getting better or like being able to jump at opportunities was easier when you moved into entrepreneurship and like starting your own business versus working for someone else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once, once you get that, um, that taste of entrepreneurship, like mm-hmm. and doing your own thing and run your own business and, the way it all really works, it, it it's a lot, um, it's a lot more motivating. But also, you can't. You know, this is why a lot of businesses fails. You can't use that motivation to jumpstart your business for the first year and then just relax and say, "Oh, well, we're making money," because yeah. you'll fail. You know, and that's what happens to a lot of people is, you know, the they jump in, they start making a little bit of money, and they think like that's the end cap. No, and that's why I've always talked about here is like continuing to build yourselves. 
which builds the gym, mm-hmm. gym builds, you build, it's all an, a tumbling effect or all a build up effect, whichever way you want to look at it, that um, you take like, look at the people that uh, are higher ups at the big tech companies. You know, it's like when they started, they were this little thing with maybe 20 employees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Those original 20 employees, if they're still around, they're probably high up right now making millions of dollars a year right. because they stuck out and they they watched the company grow and they were probably working for crap money back then yeah. for the grant, you know, the big picture. Um, it's kind of like that story of like Facebook when, mm-hmm. you know, Zuckerberg didn't, you know, he didn't really spend any money. He didn't really take any money. He just let it build until he started. Okay. Now we're going to really monetize this thing. And that's when the company completely took off, you know? Right. So it's like happens a lot. Um, yeah, there is a real sense of pride and accomplishment when you mm-hmm. start the business and you start going through the steps. Like even the littlest thing feels yep. like a massive milestone or like I opened uh, a business account. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the easiest thing to do. And it's of course on the checklist of things you have to do. Yeah. But like when I first made the logo and I made the t-shirts and yeah. you see it and it's real, like it's right yeah. there in front of you. You're like, I made this, mm-hmm. like it is incredibly motivational, but no, you can't back off afterward. Yeah. You got to keep pushing. It's and and starting all that stuff up. You know, it's a bit scary. It's just like anything else. You oh, know? Yeah. Like you start, you're almost clueless. Like unless you've went to business school and you know, all these things or you're an attorney and you know, all the laws and things like there's a lot that goes into starting a business. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, is scary in itself. But then, you know, it's the same again as the corporate world. Like there's a lot that's scary about starting a new job, um, or whatever you're going to go into. So, um, I will say one of the perks is I haven't had to do a job interview in quite a while. That's been yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think that's ever in my path again. Um, so that's good. I mean, speaking from personal experience, the fact that I'm sitting here with you has been a series of just coincidental opportunities mm-hmm. that came out. I had a falling out when I was coaching gymnastics, uh, with other coworkers. I left that, which forced me to start doing the massage part, um, you know, that much more intensely, that much more time. Um, the girl I was dating at the time, she says, you should go talk to the gym owner over at Midnight City. He's like, yeah, come do massage. I meet you. I start working at Powerlifters. You come over here. I wind up here. In the process, I end up working a 5K. I paid to work mm-hmm. at a 5K. Meet this lady. She contracts me with Akron. I meet the coach. He gets helps me uh, with uh, getting in the door for the grad program and sitting here doing a podcast You know, five years later after all of that. And it's literally a series of just coincidence. Yep. But every time it came up, it's like, all right, let's try this. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And some of them didn't work out. A lot of them did. Yeah. And in a really good place because of it. Yeah. And and, what, and then once you get to that point, like, you know, you could have 20 offers come through for stuff over the next year. Mm-hmm. And now you can kind of pick and choose what you're even going to spend time on or, right. you know what I mean? Things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming one of those things too in like the entrepreneurial world where people – Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and everyone wants to current fad. Yeah. And because of social media, everyone wants to show, look how much I'm doing. Look at like, you know, making moves, and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever crap, you know, they Especially try to in tell such a themselves. short period of time too. Yeah, try to tell themselves, but it's like a lot of people are stagnant and they, they, they do things 
to make it seem like they're busy or tell themselves that they're busy or mm-hmm. tell themselves that they're working hard when they're truly not doing anything. So, um, you know, and, and going back to like the burning bridges thing, it's like we were just talking about this the other day of like, let's say I wanted to go build a building right now. Mm-hmm. You know how many hookups I have in the industrial building world now just because I've connected with people and I never burned the bridges and I've always honored like any work that they've done for me. It's like, you're paid this, you know, and there's, there's a little bit of bartering sometimes and things, but you know what I mean? It's like that, that's an important step is like when you have those opportunities to connect with people, you need to utilize them. So, and the goal is not to be busy. Mm -hmm. The goal is to be productive. Yep. When people ask you, how are you? And you say busy and they're like, oh, that's good. No. Yeah. Busy means that you're just spinning your wheels in the well, mud. And here's the thing. And, and I've been guilty of it in the past too, is like I can be productive and sometimes have everything done in a few hours. And it's like moving on to the next step. Well, you know, I could do this, could do that. Maybe, you know, and you have to decide, do I keep pushing that day or do I take a break? Mm-hmm. Um, and then time, there are times where, like, this is the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You're never fully off work, but there are times where it's like, there's not much going on. Yep. So it's like, okay, everything's done. You do whatever the hell you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you take, you love that time. You know what I mean? Because you know that there's going to be times that come that you're from, you know, time you wake up, time you go to bed, it's going to be just slammed. So, yeah, for weeks on end. Yeah. You know, and, and coming off the business you know, aspect of it all and the life aspect of it all switching back to like fitness and things is like, you know, there's opportunities everywhere in this field too to connect people and learn. And I think a lot of people, they're just relying on free content that gets put out on Instagram or uh, Google that they can find or whatever, instead of like, you know, paying for seminars or paying for a coach or mm-hmm. paying even for a template to kind of guide you. Like I watch people, you know, same with nutrition, like guide you through nutrition, pay for it. You know, I watch so many people every day on, on Instagram that like their workouts, their programming stupid, their technique sucks. Their nutrition clearly isn't good, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like the, the common thing is like whenever I take people on, they don't, they, they thought they knew a lot until they get with someone who actually knows a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, then you start reiterating these little things and it's almost like mind blowing to me. Like, how have you been working out this long and you didn't know this? Yeah. You know, it's like, this is basics, you know, but the, that's the problem is a lot of people don't know, but they assume they do. Right. So they don't know how much they don't know. Yeah, exactly. Speaking from experience as being the person who didn't know how much he didn't know. Yeah. Yes. And then the more you start to know, the more you're like, shit, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know anything. Yep. You know, and there's it gets so deep with so many things that like you're not ever going to really know it all, but um, some people claim to. What do you think is the biggest hurdle in that? If I came to you as a client, knowing that it's going to cost something, what do you think is the biggest obstacle in their mindset? for why they don't seize that opportunity. The the one thing, like I don't ever comment if they reached out to me, then sure. And I might give them a couple of tips for free or whatever. Um, and, and just explain a couple things to them. And and you know what? That sticks in their mind. Like, Oh, that person helped me out. Like maybe one day they do take that step towards coaching or something. Mm And, and they'll, um, and they'll hopefully come to me, you know, when the, on the other side, the flip side of like the person's mind, 
I think it, they start to weigh like, is it worth paying someone to, to guide me or to coach me when it could be, I could be, I could get to the same place if I don't have that coach, you know what I mean? Or just I just by trying to find yeah, the without, myself. without paying that money or like, what if, what if I hire them and they're not doing anything different than what I'm already doing, mm-hmm. which most of the time, if it, that's not the case, like most coaches are a little bit different and they have that outside perspective, which helps you a lot mm-hmm. because a lot of people, um, again, I watch them every week. They try to lift too heavy too often or they're maxing out every week or they're grinding lifts every week, things like that. Another coach might push you hard, but they can see what you need and they'll back you off and they'll pull back the reins where you, your ego probably won't. Um, and then they're, they're going to program things that you know, they know you need that you might not want to do. So, but I think the biggest hurdles, like whenever I was going to hire a coach, the things I was looking at besides like their reputations and all that and like how good of a coach they are, things, the, some of the things I was weighing in my own mind is like, Okay, whose programming is different than what I'm already doing? Um, could I get there eventually? Probably. Like I, you know, what I mean, I could probably figure it all out and just write my own shit. Uh, what's the benefit of not having to think as hard on my own programming or not having to cater to myself in what I want to program and just allow someone else to yeah. tell me what I'm gonna do? Um, I will say that is a fantastic opportunity when you just like hand it off to someone and they get to make all the decisions and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Feels amazing. Like I can, I still sit there and I'll analyze like, okay, why are we doing this? What's it for? What am I working during this, you know, this exercise, you know, things like that. I, I still analyze, but it's nice to every week send in my stuff. Here's your new program. Like, you know, every week it's like, I don't have to sit there and worry about it. Right. Although I could worry about it, and I did for years. Now I don't have to, and it's a relief. So, um, I think those are good examples that uh, for anyone who would reach out looking for uh, strength coaching or fitness advice or nutritional advice, recovery advice, take a second to realize what you're getting when you sign up as a client. It's not just information because you can Google probably a lot of information. You can find things on social media. What you don't get is, is it applicable to you for your goals and where you are right now? And then how to actually apply it, how to be able to see how it takes you from step to step. You have someone also doing all of that analysis for you. That becomes their job. You don't have to think about it. You're paying for the opportunity to have that lack of decision-making, the freedom of time where you don't have to think. You're also uh, paying for that external uh, feedback. You're having that set of outside eyes watching to make sure that things are going the way that they do, which is an opportunity, honestly, for comfort. Mm -hmm. It's like if someone else is in charge of, I shouldn't say in charge, their responsibility is to help you if things go sideways. That's a big relief. Yeah. And realizing like those are all the things that you're really paying. It's not information. You're going to get info. Yeah. But you're also getting all of those other benefits that you're never going to get just by Googling something or going on social media to look. It's an opportunity to to learn. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I think you'll see this a lot with uh, when people do hire coaches too. It's like your opportunity to learn isn't from the Instagram famous person that 
charges you $200 a month and just hands you a program and doesn't ever tell you anything, any feedback, nothing. Here's just a program and mm-hmm. you're following it. Like that's, it's not coaching. That's not, they're not, that's not doing anything for you. Sure. You might see some sort of gain cause it's structured, but you yeah. could get that from a $30 template, right. you know, versus doing, doing that. So, um, I hear about that a lot, which is just mind blowing to me that people waste their money doing that. Cause the first question I usually get is like, what does it include? If mm-hmm. if I'm going to be coaching, there's like no critique or feedback or anything at all. Then what am I hiring you for? Right. You know, so um, not to say like, I don't expect books, but I expect something more than just like, here's the program. All right. Good luck. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to kind of share that the story I was talking about earlier where, um, you know, one of the things that as far as opportunity, um, uh, I didn't take it was in the military this is another one of my stories here I uh so I was driving a Mustang at the time which mm-hmm. if you've ever driven one of those you know they sit low to the ground so I'm on crutches uh ACL surgery and all that I'm still where the leg is pretty much locked it's it's unlocked but I can only bend it so far kind of deal um but I just came out of the grocery store got my groceries which is a bitch in itself and, uh, you know, if you ever try to crutch with bags of groceries, it's very fun. Let's, let's just put it that way. But, um, anyway, I get to my car and there's this car that was parked too close to my driver's side that I'm not able to get in because if I, even if I do open the door far enough, I can't really maneuver in with my crutches and, you know, my leg the way it is. Cause I have to kind of like swing it in and all that stuff. So I kept sitting there thinking while I was waiting for this person to come out of the grocery store um, that like it would be nice if I could just hit it something on my keys or whatever to back the car up, even the length of the parking space so I mm-hmm. could get in and you know go about my day. And I had the idea and I called the patent office and um, asked him like, okay, how much is it to patent? Like, what are the steps? Things like that. And they explained to me like, you can you know, send it in and um, I think there was like a fee just to file. But if you actually want to go through the application process, I think it was like $500 or something to, okay. to put through the patent or something at the time. And all you really need is just like a basic drum idea of like what you're doing, drawings, as much info as you can, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like talking about it, whatever information, the, the more the better. And you could send it off time, you know, it gets time stamped. It gets everything. You know, you got a package where it went through the mail at this time. This is kind of how patents work. You yeah. know, um, they receive it. It's time stamped. Like you're good to go. It gets filed. Um, so if you know anything about like, obviously that like now people are like, Oh, that's everywhere. All right. the cars do that. This is way back in the day when no cars did it. Mm-hmm. Not one on the market did it. And, I didn't do that idea because one, I'm a moron. <laughs> um, two, I think it was like, oh, $500. Like, no, someone will probably find some loophole, like, and just get around it. Cause $500 was a lot at the time for me, yeah. you know, and how much I was making. It's like, well, you know, it's like someone will find some loophole and they'll get around it and mm-hmm. they'll just, they'll have the technology and they'll be, you know, they'll be the winners of it. Like, they'll find a way around my patent or something. And sure, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. I don't know enough about the technology. Right. But I do know that was my fucking idea, right, that I wanted to do. 
Mm. So uh, a couple years later, my buddy, um, who was my roommate at the time, I told him about it at the time. Mm -hmm. He sent me, he should have stole my idea. He sent (laughs) me, um, he sent me a video. He's like, Hey, he's like, wasn't this what you were talking about back when we lived together? And sure enough, it was a car that these people parked too. the actual commercial was people parked too close to the car. It was like a big joke and all this stuff. And then, um, the lady came out and hit her keys and the car backs up and she gets in it and drives away. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I look it up and sure enough, a couple years after I had that idea, um, these, I think it was two or three kids, uh, from, I think they're out in Cali or whatever, out in California or, they were young too. Mm-hmm. Is what's fucked up is um, they sold it. I believe it was to Mercedes for like two point five or two point seven million. They sold the patent for to them. That five hundred dollar investment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's one of those things that even if it seems like a dumb idea, um, or it's going to cost you a little bit of money to invest in yourself, do it because you never know what could come out of it. Now again, someone might have been able to find some loophole in the technology. Like he didn't say these key words, so that. You know, and yeah. then, but then you have a fight in court, and who knows what could come out of it. That come, they could have been like, okay, well, you know, we we say this, you say that, but you know what? We'll give you five hundred thousand dollars, basically, to shut up and go right. away. You know, and that, who know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, at least there was an opportunity out of it, but I didn't take that opportunity, so I didn't get anything. So. Um, and now, I mean, you have what the Tesla is like, you can hit them from the parking lot and they'll drive up to you and, yeah. um, you know, all kinds of things. And, and then soon we're going to have autonomous driving where you're not even going to have to do anything, which is funny because like, I, you know, I think everyone had this idea, but like, I remember in high school talking about that, like, yeah. wouldn't it be cool if we could just sit here and our cars would drive themselves and like they knew like but back then like the technology you don't know it right. so i'm like yeah i'd have to like know how fast to go and like how's it gonna know it'd have to have like sensors to know like when to stop at a stop sign like how's it gonna know you know I mean, all these things mm-hmm. but we didn't realize like the power of like maps and things like that right. and the satellites you know what i mean it's, there's all these ideas mm-hmm. that like now that that was out you know a long time ago but like you know, it's funny that like only 15 years ago we were sitting there like, oh man, this would be so cool. And now we're almost there <laughs> right? to where these cars are going to be coming out and they're literally going to basically be able to drive themselves. Right. You know, it's crazy getting to it. Uh, we got some announcements, don't we? We do. Did want to put out that uh, Dan Bell, if you're interested in doing uh, a saw Olympic lifting um, level one coach seminar, he does have that uh, Saturday and Sunday, so it'd be February 27th and 28th. Um, you should be able to find that on the USAW website, but if not, you can email the gym or uh, find Dan's uh, Dan online, Rubber City Weightlifting. And that's um, going to be held here at Unrivaled? Yeah, so it'll be here at the gym. So okay. uh, It's in North Canton, Ohio, so if you're in the region or if you're close or you want to get your USAW level one, that's a great opportunity to learn from... Uh, one of the best. So, and it's, it's not one of those things. It's a mix of, um, they do sit down classwork, but they also do practical stuff where mm-hmm. they actually go out and lift and things too. So you get the hands-on experience. Yeah, working you, with you, each other. I mean, you basically, and you get coached basically by Dan cause he's, you know, it's 
what he does and he's going to fix your stuff right. and he'll use some people as examples and things like that. It's a good, it's a good course. So I know there have been people who've traveled in from pretty far in order to do that with yeah. him. Oh yeah. From, um, yeah, we've had him from all over. I think like the East coast, like Carolinas, things mm-hmm. like that up North in New York, people, you know, a couple States away out West, Midwest. Yeah. If you are a uh, college student who's looking to go into strength coach work or a grad student who is mm-hmm. currently doing any kind of assistant strength coach work, that's a fantastic thing to have under your belt. Yep. Anyone who's uh, doing CrossFit coaching or looking to get into that, that's another one that you should be looking at getting. Yeah, and it's and he'll tell he'll tell you it's a level one for a reason. Like it's your starting point right. of beginning a, to be a coach or beginning to be able to have a club one day. So, um, but get in it, learn it. What else we got? Uh, I think I had a couple. Oh, uh, I'm currently in. Uh, doing a little project where I'm going to put out uh, 52 weeks of a template that is for powerlifting. That'll probably get announced here in a couple weeks. It's going to run a few phases throughout the year. You will have some testing times, things like that. Um, this is something that could, you know, potentially work for uh, intermediate, definitely for beginners, um, but potentially on up to like someone that a little bit more advanced. It depends what kind of structure style you have already. But when it takes you through those cycles, it is a good opportunity that you could run it um, and then get on, you know, individual coaching for, you know, a prep or something like that. But I I honestly, like if you're serious about powerlifting, I wouldn't recommend it. It's more for people that just need structure throughout. Okay. One, people that just need structure. Two, people that maybe do the lifts that just aren't sure of where to go. Mm -hmm. And then um, if you are, you know, a competitor, maybe someone who absolutely could not afford coaching, there's no way at all, but they still need to help. They still need help and structure. That would be a good way. But um, I highly recommend if you're a serious powerlifter, just do um, individual coaching and at least bare minimum doing inside of like 16 weeks for your preps and things. But that's a, that's kind of another thing. It's like people will come and hire coaches for preps yeah. at like 10, 12 weeks out. That's all well and good. Like if I've worked with you before, I might know a little bit more, but it's very hard to like, especially if you're coming to me with like messed up technique and all that. Sure. I can program you on in, but it gives us no time to fix your technique. It gives right. us no time to like, especially if you screwed up the cycles leading into that point, it gives us no time to fix anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, be wary of that. But what does just to clarify it? What does someone get out of the template versus doing, uh, like, say, one-on-one coaching or yeah. programming from you? So, so the template is just the template. You get that emailed to you um, on a weekly basis, and um, you pay monthly. Uh, probably be priced at twenty-five dollars a month, and you'll get it sent to you weekly. The the you just get the the template there. You know, if you have a a question on something, I usually tell people Google it you know, figure out like what the lift is or whatever it, you know, I might answer a question or two off the start, but it's not like an ongoing thing where I'm going to answer 50 questions. Right. So what individual coaching's for, um, individual coaching, you're getting that program tailored exactly to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going out to anyone else. Um, it's exactly to you comes with the video critique. Every session they get video critique, uh, feedback from me, technical work. And then I'm also here for like general questions and things like that. As long as you're not one of those annoying people ask me a hundred questions a day. Um, don't have time for that. I will ignore you. But you know, if you, if you got questions, I got people that message me, time or two a week that mm-hmm. I coach that ask general questions that are beyond kind of the scope of programming, but it's stuff that's going to help their programming, okay. maybe supplement with stuff or whatever um, 
Uh, I had a guy the other day asked me about like his blood work, you know, things like that. Yeah. Like I'm there to answer stuff. I'm there to guide you, but that's what individual coaching is. It's a guide. If someone so, were to start on the template to get a feel for it and they wanted to transition over to the one-on-one, is that an easy thing to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just a simple, like, Hey, I, I want to start individual coaching. Um, you know, and then we just cancel out the templates, get into individual, see where they're at yeah. in the, the template block. So that way it's easier to program. Now probably ask, like, it's smart to record your stuff during those templates. Uh, if you want to post about it and tag, maybe I'll answer, you know, something like comment, like, Hey, do this in your technique. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, if you, if I'm feeling generous, um, or maybe I'll DM you and say, Hey, maybe do this on your technique, whatever. Yeah. But you know, you want to bring those videos to the coaching when you go to individual coaching. That way we can see kind of where you've been, how hard things have been, where your struggles are, um, and your technique and things like that. So makes sense. Yeah. Let's see. I might, uh, this one, I don't have a date on it yet. I'm not a hundred percent sure how I want to structure it or a price point, but we're going to be doing a squat seminar at the gym. That's going to involve, uh, Olympic lifters, powerlifters, crossfitters, anyone who squats basically, I have never had someone walk in and do a proper squat and I'm only looking for not hyperbole. Yeah. I'm looking for basic, basic things in the squat that people don't do. And, you know, dance, uh, I know he wants a lot of the Olympic lifters to do the seminar if we do it just because like I've, you know, like he said, like I've helped him Mm -hmm. and I've taught him some things on the squat. And I know, you know, one of his lifters at, uh, Tyler was doing some things wrong on his on rack and settling in, um, I'm preparing to squat that when he changed those things kind of turned around a little bit. Yeah. So there's a lot that we can do. We're, you know, we would go over high bar, low bar, be very hands-on. There won't be an excessive amount of like talking and classwork. It'll be a lot of hands-on stuff mm-hmm. and just getting people to actually squat. Right. So yeah, I know that I've learned quite a bit. I, uh, I translate the information that Justin has taught me when it comes to squatting to recovery aspects, because Mm -hmm. the level of detail that he's able to go into on how, for example, just like the high bar, low bar that you mentioned, how that fatigues certain areas differently uh, and how those need to be activated differently Mm -hmm. gives me an idea when I work on someone where if I say to them, Hey, do you high bar, low bar? Mm -hmm. And they tell me that it shifts what I'm going to focus on. And that emphasis plays a really big role and a very helpful role in being able to help them with the recovery work. So speaking from my own personal experience, um, when he says that there is a lot of detail that you can go into, he's Mm -hmm. not exaggerating. Yeah. And you know, not that my technique and anyone's technique is hundred percent perfect all the time, but um, the majority of people I see squat have issues that I can point out right away. Yeah. So when you're sitting there and you know, see people post or see, you know, people say like, Oh, felt, felt rough today. Looked even worse or some, you know, some yeah. dumb thing like that. It's like, no, it looks worse. Every, every session looks bad. <laughs> like I see four things. I watched your video for three seconds. Like, so, um, yeah, there's always a lot to fix, but anyway, uh, I think that's pretty much it for announcements. Okay. Um, we're going to have Jordan Jarrell on, Thursday, so that won't come out though. We gonna put that out right away, or we're gonna wait till next week. That comes out next week, yeah. All right, so we'll put that one out um, for next week. So um, if you do have questions, if you missed the Q and A for for all of us, we're gonna wait to answer some of the questions we got already till we have him on. Mm-hmm. That way, we have more voices in it. Um, so if you got more questions, uh, just message one of us, and we'll answer. Oh, we'll, we'll answer them on the podcast. So um, that's pretty much it for today. We'll see you later. Have a good one.